0: And weirdos, I'm Sam
1: and I'm James and welcome to Scaring Sam. Welcome. So based on our new revamped theme tune surely we can call ourselves the hard rock of horror podcast now.
0: <laughs> right okay. and
1: if anybody is wondering it was my incredibly talented fiance who is responsible for all the quality music on our pod. This week we're heading back to the 80s to cover American Psycho. In his 2000 movie, Patrick Bateman, played by Christian Bale, works on Wall Street by day and succumbs to his blood urges by night. And first things first, let me ask you a question, Sam. Is American Psycho misogynistic?
0: Um... <laughs> I refer to my notes. (laughs) In a way, yes. Patrick tells his secretary he doesn't like her outfit to wear a skirt or a dress or some heels instead. And she just accepts it. Excuse me? I'm so glad I've never worked for someone or for a company like that. Just to point that out there. And there are a lot of other examples I could bring up at this point. But I'd like to highlight that it's also a lot about male vanity. For example, talking in a way like a commercial. Is that normal? (laughs) Do do you do that when you're doing your daily routine? (laughs) I don't. It's weird, right? Obviously, he's, he's doing that to keep him in a certain way. And we also see a lot of masculine fragility throughout the film as well. So I think a lot of those two things are combined with this kind of sense of anti womanist kind of... Do you know what I mean?
1: So, from a certain perspective, American Psycho is misogynistic, sexist. Mm-hmm. I suppose from any perspective, any film could be looked from a certain lens. Oh, yeah, there's
0: always going to be ways, isn't there? (laughs) It's like I was watching Fifth Element last night. All the women are in skimpy outfits.
1: You didn't notice until you watched it so many times. You start going, hang on.
0: Yeah, I didn't notice. Well, obviously, I've seen that so many times when I was younger. I just... It was normal. How is that normal? But it's something like that, isn't it?
1: And now people always want equality, so men have to show the same amount of flesh as women. Although, mm-hmm. saying that, you do see a lot of arse on show. Christian Bale's put arse on this film all the time.
0: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, you do.
1: That's true. It's based on Bret Easton Ellis's novel, An American Psycho is directed by Mary Haran, who co-wrote the script with Guinevere Turner. Mm-hmm. And since this adaptation was brought to the screen by two women, it has been suggested that the film is a feminist analysis of... Ellis's original novel, which was hounded with accusations of being highly misogynistic. But I wouldn't go that far to say that's accurate. Just because this film revolving around this kind of story was written and directed by two women doesn't mean that it had some kind of secret feminist agenda to undermine men.
0: No, I think it's, it's based in the 80s, isn't it? So, isn't it? yeah <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah you could yes, tell by the is. soundtrack <laughs> but that that's just the era, isn't it? A lot of people acted that way, so they've captured the era and they've tried to, I don't know put maybe put a twist on it in some way to highlight. Um,
1: well, that twist is the satire. It's definitely satire, but is it a satire on masculinity? Or more of a shrewd satire on 80s American culture in general. The greed of Wall Street, the empty excess of yuppie culture, all the mountains of cocaine they're snorting up.
0: Yeah, and the film is basically all about how the male characters perceive and treat the women.
1: Yeah, you can say in general this film is from Patrick's perspective on the world. Mm. After the movie introduces us to Patrick Bateman, the camera pans through his apartment the morning after expressing he wanted to stab a female bartender to death and then play around with her blood.
0: That was disgusting and disturbing. That's what I've written down here. Um... But she
1: was at, she was out of earshot, so she didn't hear. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it's it's in a club, isn't it? So we could obviously hear him, and you could see him through like the reflection on the mirror, and she's just making his drink.
1: Well, he's always looking at himself, isn't he? Yes. So his apartment is completely devoid of character. It's all shades of white and barely decorated, though he does have a poster of Les Mis above his toilet.
0: Oh, yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) Random.
1: And later on, it's clearly an expensive place because Detective Kimball, played by William Dafoe, is impressed when Patrick mentions his address but it barely looks lived in. It lacks any identity. We then witness Patrick's extensive daily workout and grooming routine, while his voiceover goes into detail about all the lotions and cleansers he uses.
0: Yes, yeah, so that is picking up on the um, male vanity side of things that um, that I mentioned earlier. Like, for example, you're saying about talking about all the lotions and stuff that he's using. It's almost like he's in a commercial. <laughs> And maybe that's why his apartment is completely white. It's in a commercial setting. Everything's got to be neat and tidy and lots of mirrors everywhere so he can stare at himself.
1: Oh, yeah, And it reminds me of when he pulls out his drawer and he's got all these like knives all lined up. Like he's got OCD or something. All...
0: Everything's in its place.
1: So it's not there to be used. It's like an Ikea catalogue or something.
0: <laughs> yes, it's a showroom.
1: So he's living in a showroom. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I didn't think of it like that. I just thought because he's a psychopath, he has no emotions, so he has no creativity. But because this film's about commercial excess and that, the idea that his apartment looks like a Mm catalogue is actually quite clever. I didn't actually pick that up before. And it's because the material things are what he values above all else, including the relationships in his life. Look at how fickle and dismissive he treats Evelyn, his fiance, when she brings up getting married, annoyed she's distracting him from listening to the new Robert Palmer album. Or the panic that washes over him when he fears they won't get a decent table when they arrive at the restaurant. It doesn't react in the slightest when he suspects his friend, Bryce, may be having an affair with Evelyn. He shrugs it off because he's having an affair with Courtney.
0: And just going back to the material things that you said... For example, something that kept on popping up is putting glasses down on a table every time it happened. It was always with his secretary, I'm sure it was. Her putting a, a bottle or a glass on like his desk in his office and then also his table in his living room oh, when she's, she's gone round. Yeah, when there. she's
1: eating sorbet.
0: Yeah. He cares about this table more than anything else.
1: Yeah, yeah. He shows some emotion at the panic of her putting a ring on his like coffee table or something. Yeah. But there's no emotion at all when he's killing someone.
0: Although there's that moment when um, he decides he's not going to kill his secretary.
1: Now, yeah, why is that?
0: He is saying like what the women want at some points in the film, isn't he?
1: Well, like he's reading off a script.
0: Yeah, but a script that he's written out himself because he knows that that's what they want.
1: So this brings me to this point where they're at this table, at this restaurant. Patrick begins like rattling off all the world's problems everyone should be worrying about, like apartheid, nuclear arms, world hunger, you name it. He brings it up, but he might as well be reading a script, almost as if he's regurgitating some kind of article he read earlier on in a paper or something.
0: Well, yeah, that's it's very similar when he's putting any... um music on for people and I know we'll probably bring that up in detail later but he's kind of reciting things about the artist and the album like something he's read off wikipedia (laughs) or do you know what I mean
1: yes as if he's saying stuff he thinks these people want to hear he's trying to make a connection with people about subjects nobody cares about
0: but I think that that is also a way that women... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how to how to say this, but when I've previously gone on dates like with people and you you were just not finding them interesting. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? How he's talking about things that just no one cares about.
1: I mean, does he even care about these things? Exactly. Feels very forced, very
0: It is forced though, isn't it? And it's like when he's got those two blonde ladies in
1: ladies prostitutes.
0: Yes. I'm just putting a bit of shimmer on it. <laughs>
1: Ladies of the night.
0: But yeah, so he's he's talking to them about crap and they're just sitting there like, what are we doing here?
1: Obviously he's paying them for their services, but he hasn't got any of this seduction skills or this charisma to like set the scene, make them feel at ease in his apartment in this moment. Aren't I all very cultured and in on what's hip right now?
0: Yes, listen to this wonderful music I'm going to talk about. And they're just like, just get on with
1: it. Here's this trivia I have in store for you. Aren't I so witty? You notice in that scene with the ladies of the night, he dresses up in a full tuxedo as well. Mm. He's not wearing the numerous suits he has for work. He wears a whole tuxedo.
0: But again, that's his vanity taking over, isn't it?
1: Well, look how powerful I am in my limousine as I pick you up.
0: Exactly. Even though he doesn't need to prove to these women of how powerful he is or how masculine he is. Yeah, they just want the money. He feels like he does. He wants to make himself feel good and he wants to look good.
1: But he's never going to feel that, is he?
0: Hence why he keeps on doing these things, though. He's trying to better himself, even though... It's not really affecting him.
1: In that scene with Jean at Patrick's apartment, when he's saying he's looking for a meaningful relationship, is he actually referring to himself then?
0: Probably, most likely. Jean's the secretary, yeah? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the one that he's going to shoot her in the head with the um, nail gun. So Evelyn's left him a voicemail and she calls him honey. He absolutely hates that. The look on his face, it's like of disgust. (laughs) don't call me something so lovingly but then he's like i don't know whether he's meant to look like this but it really looks like he's struggling to tell her to go
1: or he's struggling to (laughs) not kill her
0: but why would he he's been killing everyone willy-nilly like why all of a sudden care
1: perhaps because it raised too many questions his secretary disappears
0: but why would he have but he was he'd already decided he was going to do it and then he only changed his mind when Evelyn then left the voicemail
1: well in his own little narrative in his head he keeps saying he's bloodlust or something is he's succumbing to it it's overpowering him so in a moment of weakness he's like oh she's an easy kill just a relieve me give me some satisfaction I don't have to pick up a woman on the street, I can just lure my secretary to my apartment. And then perhaps it's like, oh, I've already got a detective on my tail. This is going to raise even more questions. I need to restrain myself.
0: So I know we touched on this on episodes before, (laughs) but I can't remember the difference between a, a psychopath and a sociopath.
1: I don't think Hollywood does either, to be honest. I think psychopaths have no emotion, and sociopaths react emotionally. Right. So I think psychopaths, they plan things out meticulously and they're trying to find emotion through something. They're just seeking out, trying to feel something. And sociopaths, they react with violence and they lose complete control over the situation.
0: Yeah. He's killing all these women and, like, for instance... His secretary, he says to her that he wants to find a meaningful relationship. And then the voicemail happens and something just clicks. And he's like, but I have a relationship and it's not meaningful. What am I doing? (laughs) He's questioning things, isn't he? I don't know. (laughs) It's so confusing. But so we're going from his male vanity being shown and then... You've also got his masculine fragility, something like the business cards coming into the film a few times. It's not just one moment, is it?
1: Well, it starts off in that scene with the meeting of vice presidents, I guess, at Pierce and Pierce, where mm-hmm. Jared Leto's Paul Allen approaches Leto. Patrick.
0: What? Jared Leto.
1: Who cares? <laughs> He's a crappy joker. Right. Anyway... Paul Allen approaches Patrick who mistakes him for someone called Marcus Halberstrom, That's a mouthful. Who has the exact same job, suits and glasses as him, only Patrick has slightly better haircut. And this is a common motif in the film where Patrick's colleagues keep mistaking him for someone else.
0: Mm.
1: He's meant to be a vice president within his firm. He therefore holds a position of power. But as Evelyn stated in the cab earlier... Patrick's father practically owns the company, which suggests to me he's the one who got him the job in the first place. He didn't earn that row. He likely didn't work his way up the career ladder like the other execs did. Patrick clearly doesn't have an important position in the company because he's never seen working behind his desk. Mm-hmm. He's always goofing off and reading magazines, giving his imagination plenty of time to run wild. Perhaps that's why his colleagues find him so forgettable. But whatever the case, this meeting quickly descends into a dick-swinging contest when they start comparing those business
0: cards. (laughs) I was going to phrase it slightly different, just highlighting that it's Patrick's masculinity and fragility comparing the business cards. Ooh, this one's got a different feel to it. Ooh, this one's embossed.
1: (laughs) But it's just like his apartment, isn't it? His business card is bland and devoid of character, And he quickly becomes emasculated by Paul Allens in comparison. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So much so he takes his frustration out on a homeless guy and his dog in the next scene.
0: Oh, yeah. So he stabs the, um, the homeless guy and then stamps the dog to death. Like, why?
1: That suggests he's more of a sociopath because he's reacting emotionally. Yeah. He has to punish someone less powerful than him. And he's responding from that scene where he was emasculated in his eyes.
0: But then, see, this, this is what confuses me. So he, he's trying to control every moment, isn't he? Yes. Right? But because he hasn't been then in control of something, something hasn't gone his way, then he's acted out.
1: But I don't think a psychopath would do that. In the earlier scenes where he's, he follows that woman across the cross um, walk. And then you see the blood-stained bedsheets afterwards. sorry. That suggests that he planned out killing someone that night. He's not reacting emotionally then. Mm. He just needs to feed his bloodlust. But in this scene, it suggests that, oh, I've been wronged a certain way. I have to take my frustration out on someone who's lesser than me.
0: But he he proves that as well, doesn't he? Because he's like, oh, I'm going to help you. Oh, no, wait a minute. You're a piece of crap. Yeah. Why would I help you? You're you, no good.
1: Yeah, why don't you get a job?
0: Yeah. Obviously, this homeless guy, like, there, there's going to be a reason why he's homeless. Like,
1: yeah, it could be mental illness <laughs> you d- you or something. Don't,
0: it doesn't just happen out of nowhere. It's not a choice. And yet he's, oh, he's such an asshole.
1: <laughs> because he killed a dog.
0: No, because of the way he's treating this man. And then he stabs him, and then he kills the dog.
1: Patrick's continuous jealousy towards Paul Allen that leads to the Mm. hip-to-be-square scene. Oh, yeah. Because Paul Allen has bagged the Fisher account, whatever that is, but it seems sought after by everybody else in that firm. He can get reservations at Dulcia. He has his own tanning bed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And Patrick has none of these things, and as the film has already established... Patrick only cares about material things mm-hmm. above all else. Yeah, and so,
0: wanting to be the best.
1: Yeah, so he kills Paul Allen after critiquing Huey Lewis and the News. And yes, he does sound like a complete and utter dork.
0: Carrying on from that about about the music, the song choice in this film slightly does confuse me because we've got this is quite a serious film, isn't it? Like, <laughs> and then why do we have songs like when? patrick's just walking into work you've then got katrina and the waves walking on sunshine one of my personal favorites as in me sam not patrick's but like why is he listening to that like that doesn't fit in at all you've got um if you don't know me by now simply red when he's picking up one of the blonde ladies susudio phil collins that's just to name a few, in addition of to, to the um, hip to be square. But the majority of the music is like upbeat and not what I would expect in a film like this. But maybe that's giving it an extra edge.
1: That's what gives it a comedic element because he's walking through work. He's probably miserable as sin. He's closed himself off from the world because he's got his Walkman on and he's got walking on sunshine like mm. While some guy... He doesn't hear it because he's got his music playing. Again, mistaking him for someone else.
0: Like It's it's not linking with the axe as well, is it? Like when he's in his apartment and he's murdering people, like you've got this upbeat music. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Maybe it's meant to reflect his emotional detachment from the whole situation. Yeah,
0: exactly. But (laughs) it makes the viewer confused as well because, well, that's how I felt. I know you've watched this a few times, but he's also listing... A lot of analysis off isn't he about the tracks that he's playing people throughout the film which i think is kind of reflecting on his superficiality a bit
1: everything we see of patrick is surface level because there's nothing going on beneath his facade it's like what we said earlier he's trying to find connection with people but He's talking about something that nobody cares about.
0: Yeah, he, except he, him.
1: Yeah, because he has no clue. But Yeah. But does he actually like music? Maybe that is the one thing he does like, and he is trying to find a connection with people. Oh, and he likes serial killers, apparently, because he brings that up with his um, co-workers. Oh. He's always going, do you know what Ed Gein said about women or... He mentioned something about Ted Bundy, so clearly he aspires to be like his idols. But speaking of his superficiality, even after he kills Paul Allen, it doesn't end his suffering because he then panics at the sight of seeing his apartment, which does exude character and taste and has a far better view of New York. And that is something he does react to emotionally. Sorry, just looking at a cat.
0: Hello. (laughs) It's so cute. (laughs) Me
1: attention human so patrick's colleagues constantly mistaking him for someone else does ultimately work in his favor as detective kimball states he has an alibi on the night of paul allen's disappearance mm, yeah nice one bateman but how do you intend on celebrating why well, i'm going to murder two women in paul allen's vacant apartment which leads to the bloodiest scene in the entire film
0: This scene, I was literally in a state of shock. Obviously, the film has got to progress <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> but they were having a threesome. And then all of a sudden, there's just lots of bodies turning up everywhere. And he really likes killing women, doesn't he? Particularly blonde ones. No, he
1: didn't like that. One the prostitutes earlier was a dirty blonde.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he really didn't like that. He He killed her anyway and kept her head... In the freezer.
1: Oh, was that her head?
0: I'm pretty sure it was. When we got her... Next to the sorbet.
1: <laughs> Maybe he invited her back. He's obviously killed so many people off camera.
0: I... Yeah, I have no idea.
1: It is interesting to point out in this scene that Patrick is naked. Usually it would put that individual in a vulnerable situation, but he's the one that remains a threat as he chases down his victim with a chainsaw.
0: And do you know what? Actually, this chainsaw bit, when he throws it over... Um, the stairwell it actually hits the girl at the bottom then he shows expression on his face he's like yes what (laughs) calm down man why are you showing expression to that like nothing else I
1: don't know if it's intentional but there's a lot of slash films as we're going to find out in the summer where the killer's weapon tends to be phallic and it's always suggested that the killer is penetrating his victim, usually a woman, and that's meant to mirror sex, but he only gets joy from killing. Before he killed his women, they're getting it on in front of him, on the bed, drugged up.
0: And he's watching himself in the mirror, I might add.
1: That was he's... the previous threesome.
0: Oh. That's, but he's always looking at himself. Yeah,
1: that's pure narcissism. When these two women are getting it on, he's talking about Whitney Houston.
0: Oh, yeah, that's another song, isn't it?
1: One of the women thinks it's funny that he's talking about Whitney Houston in this moment. Yeah. Because he's not getting aroused watching these two women. He's off in his little world and they're not listening because they're drugged out of their minds. So, again, it's this detachment from the situation, from reality. But when he's chasing, what's the name, Christy? Or is that the name he gives her?
0: That's the name he gives her. Yeah, see, that's also another thing, isn't it? Like what? giving her a name.
1: Sabrina and Christie. Before he shows that expression of joy when the chainsaw catches up, he does show some kind of emotion in that moment where Christie has the audacity to defend herself by kicking Patrick in his perfectly moisturised, groomed face. <laughs> How dare you touch this perfect visage of beauty that he's worked so meticulously on?
0: That then, after this scene, when he's like running around all the, um, offices and stuff. He's like dripping sweat off his face. His hair's greasy. Like it completely changes, isn't it?
1: There's another point that when she's running down this building, kicking and screaming on the door seeking help, yet there is no response from anyone. This reflects previous scenes where Patrick goes about his cleaning up in the wake of his bloodlust with everyone around him not paying any attention. When he's dragging...
0: I'm sorry, I'm going to stop you there for a moment because he's dragging the body and you see a trail of blood. Then when the guard looks at him and he's going through the doors, there is no trail of blood.
1: Oh, I didn't notice that.
0: Yeah. So. So I don't know whether that was meant to be seen or whether that was a mistake.
1: Well, i never seen it before, and I've watched but, it a lot of
0: times. But it's only... Well, I'm sure it happened. I'm sure it happened. It's only till the end where I then questioned that scene. I was like, ah. Okay. Do you see what yes. I mean?
1: But at this point when I'm watching it, I'm thinking that it's as if the whole of New York is completely apathic to what's going on mm. within it. I mean, take Evelyn at the restaurant following this scene. Patrick says he wants to break up with her... Because he's completely consumed by his murderous impulses. But she's so self-involved to pay attention, she doesn't even notice he brings up he wants to murder people. Hmm. She's just thinking about herself. So is that supposed to be like some comment of 80s society in New York back in the day, where everyone was so involved with their own needs and desires?
0: Or is it a like self-representation of himself onto her? that he doesn't care about anyone.
1: The way she's responding is probably built up over all this time of how he has been treating her. Mm -hmm. In his eyes, he's the victim, and he has to get out of there with some feeble excuse.
0: Oh, (laughs) and this isn't the first time he used it. Excuse me, I've got to return some videotapes. How many videotapes do you have, man? Oh, actually... Probably quite a lot because the majority of the time we see him in his apartment, he's watching porn, just in the background, whilst he's doing like normal activities. Oh, he's on the phone, he's or, in the background.
1: Texas Chainsaw Massacre because he's a horror fan.
0: Yes, that too.
1: Don't disrespect Blockbuster, okay? I know they didn't make the smart decision of investing in Netflix. In fact, they completely mocked him. and now. Blockbuster is no more, and Netflix is making a lot of money, but Blockbuster was the Mac Daddy back in the 80s. Do not disrespect him, Sam. He has to return those videotapes, okay? He's going to get fined. But yeah, it's like his mind... I'm
0: disrespecting. (laughs) I'm just questioning. Well,
1: no, it's not a good excuse.
0: Yeah, you can't... But he can't come up with a good excuse, yeah, can he? it's like
1: his brain does a fight.
0: Yeah, his brain's just melted. Oh, yes, I've got to turn in those videos.
1: <laughs> I went to a video rental place once, I think.
0: I don't think I ever did.
1: Apparently, when I was watching the In Search of Darkness documentary, there was this some kind of exhilaration of going through the horror aisle and seeing some amazing cover art to a video that just grabs your attention and you take it home and you see what it's all about mm. and it's usually complete tripe but the cover art just drew you in we're not going to get that anymore we're spot for choice now
0: yeah that's true and also we watched another film didn't we um that had a scene where a guy and girl meet they're picking out dvds and they both reach for the same one
1: <laughs> well that film was 2012 so I guess video rentals still existed back then, mm. but now they're dead,
0: like all these Well, Well, <laughs> the physical rental is, but the digital is not. The digital is king.
1: Oh, and it's a disgusting price. 50 99 for Godzilla vs Kong? No. Anyway, so Patrick next goes on a bloody rampage through... No- oh my God, I cannot get my words out. Naughty James. <laughs> Patrick next goes on a bloody rampage through New York, an oddly empty New York, except his victims and the police. And at one point, even Patrick acknowledges this when he shoots at the cop car and there's some of this over-the-top action explosion.
0: Mmm, yeah.
1: And he, he, like, gingerly looks at his gun like, what?
0: How did that happen?
1: Did any of that happen?
0: Well, that's the question I've got written right here. Did he actually kill one of those people? I'm really confused. I feel like I need to watch it again. Yes, I said I'll watch it again. I did enjoy watching it, but it did confuse me.
1: But it's one of those good films, right, where you have to watch it more than once. Yeah. To see all the intricate layers.
0: Yeah. It's an onion. It's got layers.
1: Obviously, some <laughs> of that scene didn't happen because the ATM tells him to feed a cat so that's in his head, unless there's some really aggressive ATM machines in New York.
0: Yeah. The kitten makes it, though.
1: Oh, yeah, cause the, yeah but the old deer doesn't. No. She gets shot instead. But after, Or does she? Hmm. And after this carnage, he calls up his lawyer to confess everything. And when he sees him in a later scene, he just brushes it off as a joke. And once again, he even mistakes Patrick for someone else even when they're face-to-face, and calls Patrick a spineless lightweight. And then there's this scene, this very odd scene with the estate agent at Paul Allen's newly redecorated apartment, if that is his apartment.
0: Well, it's meant to be, isn't it? Because he's going back there to, like, maybe collect all the bodies or...
1: Get all the bodies in the... um,
0: Tidy up or something.
1: in Was it the clothes rack or whatever it is? Yeah. What is going on there? Because, again, it's this... The estate agent acts oddly and just wants him to leave as if she's, like, covering up his tracks.
0: Yeah, I don't get it.
1: It's as if, again, the rest of New York are just turning a blind eye to Patrick's activities.
0: Yeah, but haven't they been saying that the, um, the guy that he's supposedly killed is actually away somewhere?
1: So, yeah, the lawyer says he spoke to Paul Allen two days ago in London.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: This suggests that everything we've witnessed is just in Patrick's head. He is really just a spineless dork who's like really into music and can't seem to have any emotional connection with anybody else. So he has to create this fantasy where he's this bloodthirsty psychopath who's going on these rampages through New York just to make himself feel important.
0: And he does that via his notebook.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because at the end, Gene looks through his planner or whatever it is and sees all these little disturbing little scribblings of his crimes or is it just proof of his frustrated mind is he just doodling in his little schedule because he has nothing to do at work because he isn't important at work because daddy got him his job Mm. so he's playing these little fantasies in his head and now Jean is going through his planner because she's concerned about him and then discovering how warped his mind is
0: and she's like oh shit
1: yeah she's (laughs) She's finally got past the superficial, got past the surface level of Patrick Bateman and she's looked deeper into the well and find it quite murky.
0: Murky? I wouldn't say murky. (laughs) Bloody. Yes.
1: Bloody and filled with bits of meat. Too much? Yeah, too much. (laughs) And the film ends with Patrick watching Reagan on TV. Bryce comments on how... He can lie, just like that, how he presents himself as a harmless old codger, while Patrick, with a blank, emotionless expression, looks over to everyone in the bar with indifference and just has his final last monologue voicing over the scene. So, do you think Patrick is such a boring, forgettable dork in his social circle that he has to create this elaborate murderous fantasies in his head just to fuel his ego.
0: I really don't know that, that's that's again why I need to rewatch this because there's so many bits I've probably missed.
1: <laughs> Even I've worked around guys like this in the past obviously not sociopaths or psychopaths killing people but people who have This sense of their own self importance that greatly exceeds other people's perception of them. You kind of pity them, really. But at the same time, you kind of wish you could look in the mirror, like Patrick does, a lot, Mm. and deceive yourself the same way they do. Talk about a confidence booster, because God knows what they're seeing looking back at them. Clearly, for Patrick, it's a murderous psychopath. But it isn't the truth, I know that much. So that was American Psycho. <laughs> rate it yeah your name
0: i do but i need to watch it again i just it's, it's a rewatch. that's i would recommend it to everyone but watch it more than once because i definitely need to i don't know whether that's just me you've watched this loads i've of watched
1: this it day. countless of times that's how much i enjoy it because mm. i'm always picking up something new it's like when i watch Donny darker i'm always picking up something new
0: Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that in a very long time. I think I've only seen it once, but I don't remember it.
1: Well, it's set over Halloween.
0: It's there's a- some bunny head or something in it, isn't there? Was well,
1: there's a guy dressed up as a bunny.
0: Yeah.
1: Frank the Bunny.
0: That's all I remember. What? It's an evil bunny.
1: Let's reserve that for Halloween.
0: It's okay. one of my
1: favourite films to watch over October. <sighs>
0: Am-, <sighs> Am I keeping you up? Yes.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> What was my point? I can't remember. This was James. I had a point.
0: But... I, I don't know if you did. <laughs> You've been listening to Scaring Sam. <laughs>
1: I'm going to get to this point before we finish.
0: Um, And that's when we wrap it up. So,
1: well, You can keep on wrapping up. I'm going to get to my point before we finish. Okay. Even if it's at the end of the credits, I'm going to get so, to my point.
0: You can rate us uh, <laughs> I don't know what you normally say <laughs>
1: I'm say anything because I'm trying to work on my point so you can okay you can finish the episode off.
0: okay well you can contact us at scaringsempod at gmail.com you can follow us at Scaringsempod on Instagram and Twitter leave us a comment give us a like view James's incredible artwork that changes on every episode.
1: Sometimes. It mostly is. Okay, yeah. Let's just say it is. Yeah. Okay, it yeah, changes. It yeah, it I wo- I, wo- I work very hard. I don't know why I have a German accent now.
0: Is that German, though?
1: I don't know. I've never been to Germany. I sound like Nightcrawler in the Axman. Dankeschön.
0: Is he German? Yes. You don't sound German.
1: He doesn't sound German because that's exactly the same. No. This is like we've been watching Lost and for a whole season we thought Desmond was Irish. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh,
1: apparently he's Scottish.
0: Yeah, apparently he is. Anyway, have have you concluded that thought yet?
1: Yes, well, American Psycho was a star turn for Christian Bale. Of course, five years later, he bagged the role of Bruce Wayne Batman. Oh, As you can tell, he basically looks exactly the same as he does in this film.
0: Yeah, he does.
1: I don't know if that was my point, but that was on the tip of my tongue.
0: And that's where we end it.
1: Yeah, thank you, American Psycho, for bringing us arguably the best interpretation of Batman on screen. (laughs) What?
0: And on that note, you've been listening to Scaring Sam. Stay safe out there tonight
1: Stay safe out there tonight It's vain from Batman
0: I like how you had to add that Ah ha (laughs)
1: ha Stay safe out there tonight Oh dear Bye Bye